You're listening to the Watling and Owen Show. Yo, 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 what's going on? It's the Watling and Owen Show here on a Monday, October 3rd. Matt Watling, Luke Owens, why are you that face? Off, off what just happened? <laughs> okay, so I was thinking about my life earlier okay. today and how I host a couple of different things. I host another podcast as well. And I always say, hello and welcome into Insert Name Show here. And you know what? I felt like going off the cuff there. I don't know why I said yo, 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 but I think it's a thing. I now. like it. Are you, so are you going to just for every show you host, or is this going to be just a, a Watling and Owen exclusive? Is this a – are you going to change it up I next week to something else? Well, I won't host this show again. Well, I mean, I guess our next show I will. But, like, next week I won't host – I don't know. I think it's just going to be whatever I'm feeling that day. I don't really know why I did that. But, you know what? It's 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 happening. It's all I happening like it. here. Uh, well, I wanted to bring some energy because I'm fired up. It's, it's Monday, but I'm feeling really good because we've got a lot of great things to talk about. I mean – the Mets, did they blow the division? Did the Braves just outplay them? They get swept in Atlanta, which was the disaster situation. We talked about it last week. Win one game, and you're good. Win two games, you're golden. But the fact they get swept, I think, is, is what's really shocking people right now. It is really surprising. And I guess we'll start with the one team that actually lost this weekend in New York. Yeah. Well, because I think the Mets right now are at the top of my mind. And we're not going to spend all show on them because, you know, the Jets had a great win. The Bills had a great win. And the Giants had a win. So we got to get to all that, of course. But I want to start with the Mets because I was thinking about this today because it seems like the the common, you know, I guess narrative. I don't love that word. But the common narrative is, well, the Mets didn't blow the division. The Braves made a comeback. It's like, okay, true. The Braves played unreal baseball. And the Mets played pretty well. The Mets shot themselves in the foot down the stretch. Like, I can confidently say the Mets did lose this lead because you take out the rest of the months and you just look at September where – they're swept by the Cubs. They don't look great against the Marlins. And then in the biggest series of the year, when you have DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett lined up, they get swept by the Braves. I, I, the Mets have no one to blame but themselves. Like, I'm sorry. You can't – I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, the Braves played an unreal, you know, unrealistic pace and this and that. They had a chance to just win one game here, sweep the Nationals, and get that by. Now they're looking at wild card round against the Padres, a team they've struggled against. And I just don't like their chances moving forward. So I, I – I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit here and, and be an apologist for the Mets when they had every single chance to win the division. I think you could say if the Mets split this series or won one of two or, or one of three or two of three and still lost the division, right, like two weeks ago, then you, you didn't really blow it because you didn't have a chance, right? But you had a chance to ice this division and you blew it. So, yes, it's uncharacteristic. It's a crazy scenario. This is the first time that two NL East teams have won 100 games or more. This is the first, assuming the Mets win one more game, which maybe isn't such a safe assumption anymore. This is the first time, or what, it's like the eighth time in like forever that two teams have won 100 games in the same division. So in that case, you didn't necessarily blow it. You still had a very good season, but you blew it this weekend. And I think because of that, you blew your chance. You obviously blew your chance at the division. So I completely agree with you, Luke, in the sense that this is a team that needed to win two games and they couldn't do it. And because it was in their hands and they controlled their destiny, they literally blew it. It wasn't the Braves winning games that you couldn't stop them. You could have stopped them and you didn't. So it's a tough spot to be in for the Mets. I think if you look at the season standpoint, you're completely right. Like you win 100 games, you're not going to be like, oh my gosh, what a, a terrible season. But they had every chance to, to win this division and they didn't. And I'll take it a step further. I think by losing the division, which 
Atlanta has to win one game against Miami. They're, they're going to do it. I think by losing this weekend, I think the Mets cost themselves the chance to go to the World Series. But like, I think that's it because they're going to play San Diego. And if they get past them, which I mean, they should realistically at home. But if they don't, you know, if they get past them, they've got the Dodgers in the second round. Like this is not going to be a favorable series where you don't know if you're going to be able to line up your pitching. This was a matchup that if they had gotten to the NLCS, I would have liked their odds better because, you know, they're getting t- back to the top of the rotation. They've, they've played that one series against probably a lesser team, home field advantage. But now at NLDS where they have to go on the road to Los Angeles for three out of five games if they make it five games, don't get to line up your pitching, a little bit shorter rest than the Dodgers. I, I think they really cost themselves that a chance to, to win the entire National League. And maybe we'll sit here and this will be an old takes exposed. But I think by losing the NL East, the Mets also lost their chances to win the NL. I don't disagree. You look at the spot that they could have been in, which would have been to rest for a week and then go play the Cardinals or go play, what would it be, the, the, the Phillies? Phillies? <laughs> like, and you only, have one, you only need, what, three wins to get to the NLCS at that point, right? Isn't that a best of five? Yes. Yep. So you're going from needing three wins to get to face the Dodgers or the Braves, not both, one or two. Versus now, where you need to win a three-game set, or I guess two of three against the Padres. On top of that, another three games against the Dodgers. On top of another four games in the NLCS. It's just so vaunted. It's so daunting of a proposition to, to be a part of that I don't know how you expect this team, the way they're hitting and the way their aces pitched this weekend, to do anything but maybe beat the Padres and then get swept by the Dodgers. Yeah, and I think that's the you hit the nail on the head too there. Like the offense didn't help out their pitching. Like I understand, you know, DeGrom and, and Scherzer didn't pitch particularly well. I mean, DeGrom went six innings, three earned runs, eleven strikeouts. He allowed three home runs. Not DeGrom like at all, but on a normal day, three earned runs over six innings, your offense should be able to pick pick it up. And the Mets offense couldn't pick it up. And it felt like last night they get up early. They've got runners on base. Kyle Wright's on the ropes. It's like, oh, man, the Mets are going to break this game open. Couldn't do it. Like, multiple times a series, a team that is supposed to be good with runners in scoring position, is supposed to be good at getting that, that clutch hit, where it looked like, oh, Vogelback hits a home run, then he hits the RBA single. It's like, all right, the Mets are looking pretty good. But then that was it for the offense. They kind of they weren't able to pick it up. They weren't able to, to kind of blow that game open. So I think it falls on both halves. You're obviously disappointed in the starting pitching, but it's not like they're giving up 10 runs a game. You know, you should be able to score more than five runs. Uh, in this, in those, you know, two games and then at least one of runs them in that middle game, right? Like you couldn't give me a six-run game in one of these games to keep you in it by the end. I mean, you didn't even need Edwin Diaz. I think he played. Maybe he pitched last night, but you didn't need him. He was just trying to keep it close. No. And we go back to comparing this team and the Yankees, and the Mets don't hit the home runs like the Yankees. They had what eleven hits last night. They out hit the Braves. But they couldn't get the big hits. They got a couple home runs, but it just wasn't enough. And when you look at the team that's constructed for this Mets team, they can run into a home run, but not like the Yankees run into home runs, plural. And when you're put in that position, it's very hard to win games when you're going up against great pitching. And we've talked about it for the Yankees in the playoffs when you say, hey, the Yankees, when they face good pitching, they can't get those home runs. Well, do you expect the Mets to sh- or any team to string together four, five, six hits in an inning to string together runs? I almost like the chances better that, you know, one pitcher makes one singular mistake and Aaron Judge crushes it the other way. Or Giancarlo Stanton or Gleyber Torres hits it and gets it out of the park. And that's how you get your run versus hoping that three guys can get base hits. Because 
realistically for the Mets yeah, and teams that don't hit the home run, that's what you're hoping for. Not one hit, but three, four hits. And, and maybe that's not the way to do it when you don't have the contact hitters that you need down the rest of your lineup. Well, especially I think when you look at how the playoffs are, it's the best of the best. You know, not every team has a great pitching staff, but if you're making the playoffs, you have some pretty darn good pitchers. I mean, you look to, you know, the Dodgers series, they're going to have great pitching. We just saw Atlanta's pitching. Like, and I look at the way this plays out. So if the Mets go to three games in the wild card, that'll end on Sunday. Game one in L.A. is on Tuesday. So that's one day off. And if you sweep the, the Padres in two games, that's two days off. So either way, maybe you can get either Scherzer to ground for game one, but most likely you're not seeing one of them until game two. So it's either going to be Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, or some sort well, of hopefully bullpen, it's Bassett if you know, you sweep. bending together. You need to sweep that's that true. series. That's true. Because yes. Bassett can be that guy. He can give you six innings and of hopefully one or two run ball. And maybe that's not enough for this team, but if you're a team and it's your third starter, that's what you'll take. Maybe it doesn't win because of this offense, but that's what you want from your third starter. Moving ahead into it, like another big issue is you want a bullpen game. Well, who are you pitching out of your bullpen that's good enough to do it? Not really many guys. You got like two good relievers, which kind of goes back to the idea of did they do enough at the deadline? And maybe you couldn't predict the Braves to go on a, a ridiculous pace and win this many games. But you're still going to have to face the Braves or the Dodgers, even if you won the division. So the idea that they didn't do enough, to me, I would have liked another big bat. I would have liked another piece, but they see it the other way. Now, at this point, Luke, and I'm sorry I'm kind of chasing myself in circles here, I don't even think another bat or two would be enough for this team. I just think that they are not built like we thought they were. DeGrom isn't the guy that I expected him to be. He really struggled in what was a playoff atmosphere. And I don't care if the idea was he was trying out different pitches and trying to not rely on his, you know, 102-mile-per-hour fastball. That was a must-win game. You pull out all the stops. And he couldn't do it. And I wonder if this team isn't the team we thought they were two months ago or a month ago. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And to kind of put a bow on things, I mean, we could be sitting here next Monday like, the Mets season might be over. Like, it's crazy. They're going to win 100 games, and, you know, we're going to we're gonna find out next, you know, this upcoming weekend whether or not they have the chops to, to win a playoff series. And you're right. I mean, you think about the kind of deadline moves that we saw around the MLB. Like, you know, could the Mets have used, you know, like who – I'm trying to think of, like, who the big impact guys were. Like, Soto obviously wasn't in the picture. Um, you know, the Yankees got Benintendi, who was good. Then he got hurt. You know, they also got Harrison Bader. Like, it's not like they were going to get uh, an MVP type bat in the lineup. I'm sure they could have found someone better or maybe keeping JD Davis would have helped them a little bit. But I mean, like you said, they are what they are at this point. This is how they're composed. And if their pitching's not, you know, at the elite level that we expect, they're going to be in some trouble. Yeah. It just, it's a tough spot to be in if you're the Mets. And I don't know where you go from here because you can't make any changes. You bring up your youngest prospect, Alvarez, in the hardest possible situation to put him in. Like, you couldn't have brought him up two weeks ago or a week ago when you were playing, what, the Pirates were in that mix, the Cubs were in the that Pirates, mix. The Pirates, the Cubs, the Marlins. Like, you brought yeah. him up for the Braves of all teams, and they're three stud pitchers. Like, that's just a tough break for, for him to be in. You know, maybe you give him some confidence against a team that's a lot worse, and, and he can carry that over. But now, look, you're, you're the Mets. You're in a position where you still need to beat some good teams. You had to do it regardless. And, and let's see if they can get lucky against the Dodgers. The Dodgers played a lot of baseball recently. They played a lot of baseball the last – really decade, right? The last three years, it's been a lot for them. So maybe you can catch them off guard like the Braves did last year. 
But at this point, it's really just a crapshoot for this team. And you got to hope that your bats get hot. And from my vantage point, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough week for them. You know, <sighs> Padres aren't easy. Their lineup's good. They've got good pitching as well. I mean, three games, it's better than one, but it's still a crapshoot. It's just so, so deflating. I mean, you hope. Do you, yeah. do you even you start DeGrom, DeGrom as your number one? Or has he lost that title? I'm very low on DeGrom yeah. right now. Like, I don't, I, I don't think they should re-sign him for $50 million, even if he wants to come back. Like, I'll give him 40. Yeah, I think he's gone anyway. Yeah, but I wouldn't even want him back at 50 honest. or 40. Because yeah. I'd rather get a guy, you know, I guess there's no Scherzer's falling off any trees here, but I'd rather get a guy that's a good number two that can pitch, you know, like a Garrett Cole, for example. You know, maybe a, a lower level Garrett Cole, but a guy that's going to pitch every single start that can give you six innings, one run allowed. Because Scherzer can be your ace for the next two years. So now let me supplement him with another guy that can be very good, but not, you know, Cy Young caliber, but he's there all the time. Yeah, I guess that's the next question the Mets will have is who's getting the ball in game one. I, Scherzer's probably not a bad option. He's, he's kind of been in these big moments before. He's been in the playoffs. He's, you know, maybe he shouldn't be pitching on short rest necessarily after what happened last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's their game one starter, but a lot to keep eyes on, obviously, in Queens. But we've talked enough about losers today, man. Let's talk about some The players. New York Jets, baby. No, I know Got we're going to the-, the Bills first. But the New York Jets are winners. No, I, we'll no, start with I the want to start with the Bills. That's, that's the team we deserve to talk okay. about. Give them some love. Okay. I, I feel like the Jets need some love, too. Get, but uh, the Bills, big comebacks. Down 17 points, down 20-3 to three late in the second quarter. It felt like, you know, season was kind of taking a, a very vicious turn. Uh, the offense looked terrible. It started with the, the Josh Allen interception on the first drive. Uh, vibes were bad, as I tweeted. Um, and I don't know what it is about the Ravens. They cannot hold leads. I mean, we saw it with the Dolphins game. We now see it with the Bills game. And these are very two – these are two polar opposite second-half teams. Uh, you, you put this uh, in the show notes. I'll give you credit is that the Ravens have been outscored 31-3 to in, fourth, in the fourth quarter of home games this year. Uh, the Bills, on the other hand, have only allowed seven points in the second half this entire year. So it was kind of like one of those things where something had to give, and the Bills went out and played a great second half. The Ravens threw up another dud, and the Bills needed this win. They needed a win where they could show a comeback, uh, a close game, good clock management down the stretch. They don't let Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, get the ball again. Uh, and it was a really big win. I, I said going into the week, I said if the Bills lose, I mean, think about it. If they get blown out that game, it's a completely different tone. But the fact they come back and win, I think was huge. You were really going through it that game yesterday. And I was <laughs> fortunate enough to have the invite to the, the Owens establishment, <laughs> the Owens household. A little too much football on. There's too many screens for my liking. But it was a weird watch when you watch that game. Thing. It was really an experience where you were struggling through it. And I thought they would figure it out. But it felt like the Ravens lost that game almost more than the Ravens, than the Bills won it. Because you had them on the goal line, fourth and goal from like the three-yard line, in a tie game, pretty late. And rather than kicking the field goal, the Ravens decide to go for it. And, you know, Lamar Jackson throws an interception in the end zone. So you're not giving up the ball at the two-yard line or the three-yard line. You're bringing it out to the 20-25-yard line. And that was a big change in that game where you didn't have Josh Allen backed up in his own end zone. And that was a tough spot for the Ravens to be in. And it feels like they just don't trust their defense, which is very strange because this is a team and a coach that's had a lot of faith in his team 
for as long as I can remember, right? The fourth, the fourth and short to ice the game goes to Lamar Jackson. Everyone's celebrating it, right? Because the offense is kind of the the way to attack the game and try to win it that way. It was just a very weird game to watch for the Ravens, where give credit to the Bills defense. They were fantastic that game, especially that second half. But if you're Lamar Jackson and Jim Harbaugh, something's got to give. I was shocked at the play call the Ravens had. Like, fourth and goal. I knew they were going to go for it. Like, I don't necessarily fault them for that because they're thinking if we kick a field goal, the Bills are going to go score a touchdown, which, again, not trusting the defense. But this defense has also given them nothing to trust. Um, I was surprised they kind of went the pass route where I was like, all right, Lamar's going to run this ball in somehow, some way. But, you know, maybe they wanted to catch the Bills by surprise. But that was, like you said, huge interception because, you know, you think about it, it's like, oh, who cares? They picked them off in the end zone. Well, no, it's a, you know, it's a, 17 yard difference in field position the bills can easily drive down you know they they run out the clock they make sure not to score uh the anti nick chubb if you will um and win the game and yeah i i just think it's a, a big it, it was kind of a litmus test for both teams in a sense where you know what are the ravens are they any good and then for the bills you know how do you bounce back after a loss like that well i thought the bills bounced back pretty well and i think the ravens like you said still have some some questions to answer. and there was big news coming out of ravens camp yesterday that they were gonna have a, pre- uh, a press conference at 2 30 today so i guess right as our show is going on and do you want to know what their big their big announcement was oh, no, no one's fired a, a big... no one's okay. getting fined no one's you know on their last legs but jimmy smith will officially retire as the Baltimore Raven. Wow. Do you know who Jimmy Smith is? Cornerback? Uh, uh, let me pull it up again here. Uh, he had 14 interceptions, so he's probably in the secondary. I don't know who he is, though. Yeah, I mean, not, not, the, uh, not the thing we were expecting, for sure. He's also only 34 years old after doing a quick – yeah, cornerback. Okay, I was right, years, I was yeah. right, but – Part of that that uh, Super Bowl team, but yeah, that that's not the uh, big announcement we we're expecting. No. I thought you were going to make a dentist joke about the two thirty press conference. No, no, I'm above that now for the time being. I'm uh, proud of you. This was um, a t- last just a, it was just a it was a rough game for the Ravens, and even rougher game for me, who had the Bills as my lock. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason, they couldn't pull through. They couldn't go for the touchdown. You know, I need the Ravens to kind of pull the uh, whoever was running the ball into the end zone with them instead of tackling him because. That's that's just an ugly push to me, because this was a chance for me to get a big lead over you, Luke. Frankly, and we both were four and two, both very very good weeks for both of us. I might add, realistically, I'm three one and two. If you take the pushes out of and put them at the end as ties, won a lot of money last night. I would I should say if I bet those games, which I didn't, because I'm a fraud. But <laughs> you know, just just give us a little pat on the back. We both we both went above five hundred this week. Yeah, it was, it was like you said. It was kind of a it was a tough push. Like minus three is always just like, oh great, they're gonna win by a field goal, and no one's gonna be happy. So you know, you were definitely rooting for them to to fall into the end zone, and I think the Ravens wanted that too. But uh, look, McDermott, I definitely had some questions, and I don't think all of them been have been answered in terms of the the late game, you know, things. But I thought that was a good win. And the last note I'll say is Jordan Poirier coming back is huge. You know, I know Hyde's out for the year, and the safeties are kind of what drive the defense for them, but. You know, he has four interceptions this year and only three completions allowed uh, on when he's in primary coverage. So really good, really good to have him back and Dane Jackson back as well. Like this defense, Tredavious White's going to be back soon. You know, they're, they're looking like they're going to be okay. I think that Dolphins game was one where, yes, the injuries were there. But I think now that you know, a lot of guys have come back, that defense is going to be just and fine. And they played well in Miami. They only gave up 21 points. Yeah, like, they did. That's a yeah. fine game. Like 
you look at the long-term look at this team, like you're good. Like you're in a good position. You're three and one. You're a team that hasn't really struggled throughout. You know, you've had some struggles, but you've overcame them, right? You lost a freakish game in Miami. You came back and won a game that you were down late. And then I look at the defense and I say, you still got that linebacker core, which was really, really good. I mean, say what you want. They did a very solid job limiting Lamar Jackson, right? He, he ran for, he rushed for some big yards and big plays, but when it mattered most, the Bills got the stops. And was this a perfect game? No, but this was a game that you look back on and say, well, you can pull from this game. When it's the playoffs and you are in a tight game, you can look back on this game as a player and reflect and learn from what you learned and did well and bring that to the table moving forward. Yeah, I, I think the defense in the second half was really what won the game. Lamar Jackson was limited. He's going to have his runs where he looks great, but he also had a couple where it's like he could have broken, you know, Edmonds or Milano, but they stayed true. They were able to tackle him short of the sticks a couple of times. Definitely a big game for the defense. And, you know, what else wasn't a – it was kind of an ugly win, but a win's a win. The New York football Jets, Matt, 24-20 to over the Steelers. It was an interesting game where they got out to the 10-0 lead, then the Steelers scored 20 answered, then the Jets come back with 14 of their own. Game of runs is the NFL, but I think Zach Wilson – you could see him get more comfortable as the game went on, right? Early on, you know, kind of checking it down, wasn't necessarily ready to make that big-time throw. Uh, you know, one interception was his fault, one wasn't. Um, and in the fourth quarter, though, he really turned up. He had, you know, two drives down the stretch. Uh, one went for – I had it written down here somewhere, but you're messing with my thing. Why are you what messing are you with my for? thing? Uh, he had a drive of 81 yards and 65 yards. There we go. Uh, to lead the Jets back. And he was awesome on that final drive and the drive before that. Um, so winning that game I thought was big for the Jets. But seeing Zach Wilson progress throughout the game I think is exactly what you were looking for for the Jets. It was. And there's a lot. I could pull negatives from this game if I wanted to. Right? You could pull out oh, yeah, the negatives. Of course. That interception to end the second half and the penalty from, uh, who was it? Carl Lawson that put the Steelers in field goal range. It should have been 13-3. It ended up 10-6 at half. But I'm not going to do that, Luke. I'm not going to pull from the negatives. Positive vibes only. Why? Because positive vibes only. Because the New York Giants won a game 20-12 that we'll get to later, and I'm not going to criticize them for some of the offensive numbers and, and, and plays that they've had. So why should I sit here and, and criticize the Jets who won this game? And frankly, I would argue they are the better team in this game through, through and through. The defense was fantastic. The defense was so good. That's the defense you expect from this team. Now, look, they're playing a team with spotty quarterback play, to say the least. <laughs> it might be the only quarterback play that's worse than the Jets quarterback, you know, I guess, other than Carson Wentz or some pieces like that. But why am I going to sit here and take away from the Jets because of their opponent? I'm going to enjoy this win, Luke, because this was a game that the Jets, the, the Jets of old would have lost this game. I'm not saying that they're a new-look Jets. I'm not saying that yet. I was going to say, we went from same old Jets last week. But this to, isn't the same old Jets, Jets, baby, and I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate that this, this week, for one week only, this was not the same old Jets. And this was a game where they led for at least half the game. At least half the game they were up. They scored the first points. They managed to get a comeback win, and maybe Zach Wilson looked pretty ugly through three quarters. He was 8 of 24. That's, that's not what you want from your quarterback. <laughs> but he ended the game 10 of 12 in the fourth quarter. 
And if he can just extrapolate that out through a half next week, and then in six games down the line, it's a full it's a full game. Well, now you've got your quarterback. And I don't think we've seen flashes like this from a Jets quarterback in a very long time. And that's what I take away from this. That Zach Wilson wasn't perfect, but he got better. And when it mattered most, he had the confidence to go out there and to win a football game for this team. Should I remind you that Joe Flacco did that two weeks ago against the Browns? That game is so different. When it mattered though. most. But that game is when it looking mattered at how most. different that game was is that the Jets, you can play that game a million times, and only one time with the team that was down two touchdowns would go on to win that game. And they yeah, still I almost know. lost I'm it, I messing. might add. I'm messing with No, you. but like, let's, let's talk about this Jets team for a second. They're 2-2, two and two, but they really should be 1-3 and three because that Browns game, you won it, but it didn't feel good. Like, this was a good, well-earned win versus in Week 2, which was frankly a Browns loss. Like, the Browns lost that game. In this game, the Jets won it. I'll, well, I mean, I'll say this, Matt. If we were sitting here, you know, if we were in a time warp and at the end of August I said to you, look, the, the Jets aren't going to have Zach Wilson for three of the first four games. We talked about it. They're playing the whole AFC North, which is a tough division, top to bottom, and they're 2-2. Two and two. Like, you can't be mad about well, it. Well, Luke, like, in that if case, you remember, to go back to the win-loss-loss-win-win-win-loss game, I said that they would beat the Browns and the Steelers. Now, I didn't expect them to beat the Browns the way they go. did, but I did say they'd be 2-2. Two and two. And it's an ugly way to get there, and it's a scary way to get there. But moving forward, I don't want to see them blown out of games anymore. You know, maybe you can get blown out by Buffalo, and I'll accept it. But looking ahead at week five, you better not get blown out by the Miami Dolphins. And not to attack by low, who, ah, who is it? My boy, uh, Teddy Two Teddy. Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. Like, he shouldn't be putting up 30-plus points on you in that game. So I look at the Jets, and the dynamic yeah. has to shift. And this is that season, you know, franchise-changing win. Not because you dominated or because you were so good, but the defense was very good. You had four interceptions, right? The offensive line got had a lot of injuries, but Zach Wilson's legs helped you through it and helped you extend plays, which is something that Joe Flacco could never do. Yeah, I mean, he was pressured – 14 times he only took one sack he was hit six times so you know you obviously want to clean up that but at the same time the fact that he's not getting sacked is, is always a good thing I mean Joe Flacco is just eating sacks for breakfast because he can't move and now you have some mobility at quarterback and another guy I do want to talk about besides just Zach Wilson I think Brees Hall has kind of solidified himself as the RB1 he had 17 carries 66 yards you know nothing crazy but compared to Michael Carter nine carries for 15 yards uh, he also had the game-winning touchdown where it was a close one. He got the ball over the goal line. Uh, and, you know, we're kind of seeing the future here, right? We see Zach Wilson. We see Brees Hall. Garrett Wilson had the second-most targets, didn't have the best game. I think Wilson was, you know, kind of clicking with Corey Davis yesterday. But you kind of saw what this offense can look like for the next few years, where if Zach Wilson develops nicely, Brees Hall should have a few good years in him as a running back. Garrett Wilson's supposed to be the guy for, for years to come. And I, I kind of like that. I like getting that little glimpse into, you know, what could be for, for many years, you're hoping, if you're just yeah. And it's fun. Like, Braxton Barris, the, the, the trick play to Zach Wilson was awesome. And that's what you missed when you had Joe Flacco. You couldn't do these trick plays because he's just not athletic enough. And going through it in the first half, it was, it was hard to celebrate this team. It, it was, there was just a lot of negativity. I texted my brother, I'm out on Joe Sa- on uh, Rob Sala. He's out on Mike LaFleur. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and things change. But look, I don't want this team. The next step is 
that we don't go through, you know, half a game where you're really bad, right? That second and third quarter. And I think that they can get to a point where they're good. But let's look back at what I said last week. If the Jets lose this game, I think Rob Sala is the worst coach in the NFL. And I don't think he's it. Yeah. And look what they did. They managed to find a way to win. The defense stepped up. They allowed only 20 points. And they found a way to win it in the fourth quarter with some really solid play calling down the stretch. And Michael Fleur, for some reason, is a really good play caller down the stretch in close, urgent games. I don't know what it is, but it feels like Zach Wilson led a handful of drives that have gone really well in that fourth quarter. Yeah, now he's just got to start strong, right? That'll be the, the key for going forward next week. And I think the quote that sums it all up is Zach Wilson saying, that was an ugly win, but that was some of the most fun I've had playing football. Like, the trick plays, the offense was a bit more exciting. It's a nice comeback win. Like you said, I was obviously joking about the Browns game because this was very different. The Jets, you know, had ample time and in a more – traditional way to win the game instead of you know a lucky bounce and an onside kick and, and all that but uh all in all though a good win like you said it, there are some negatives but you can't you can't be mad at two and two you you really can't and, and one last thing we can go into the giants zach wilson only threw the ball for 36 times that's cause for celebration yeah that's cause for they celebration. they didn't completely abandon the run game despite going down and, and maybe that's product of opponent as well knowing the steelers offense isn't going to hang 40 on you but you know, they did the same thing against, what, the, the Ravens in week one, too. So, you know, it's it's a good step in the right direction. Um, yeah, like you said, the Giants, they got to win. I don't think they're – I think they're kind of third on the pecking order. I'm not saying 3-1 and one is nothing to scoff at for the Giants. It could have been 0-4. You never know with, you know, with this roster and, and how things have played out. But they're 3-1, and one and they win 20-12. to 12. Didn't have to throw the ball a lot. Daniel Jones, 8 for 13, 71 yards. But he did a great job with his legs, scoring two touchdowns. He got hurt, then Tyrod came in, then Tyrod got hurt, then Daniel Jones had to come back in, and it was the Saquon Barkley show. He was running the Wildcat, Daniel Jones came back, but he was either handing it off or they put him out wide a few times. 31 carries, 146 yards for Saquon Barkley. And I thought you posed a really interesting question. I didn't know we were going to talk about it today, but you know, Saquon's value is at an all-time high right now. There's a lot of injuries to running backs around the NFL. You know, Javante Williams with the Broncos, uh, you know, Swift is injured with the Lions. Granted, I don't think the Lions are going to trade for him. But, you know, the Bills could honestly use a guy like Saquon Barkley as well. So, I don't know. Like, do you think the Giants should take him at his highest value right now, cash in on it, knowing that he's probably not going to be here, you know, for years to come? Absolutely not. There is no okay. shot I, in my mind. You posed the question. I know. And it's an interesting question. <laughs> and my answer is why I want to talk about it. Because this is a Giants team that has no weapons. If you trade Saquon Barkley this during this season, you'll get what a third, a second round pick. Yeah. What are you going to get with that? That you really need. Without him, this is a bad football team, and there is no way to analyze or see what you have in this offense. There's no way to see what Brian Dable is. There's no way to see what Daniel Jones is. And now let's extrapolate a couple years down the line, or next year, for example, and you bring in Will Levis or. Bryce Young, or any quarterback you want from the draft. Well, he doesn't have anyone to throw to. So why are we a team that's kind of going through a rebuild, going to offload talent that can help us find our quarterback and help him through his rookie year or his second year? And you look at, you know, the best comparison is a team in Chicago, the Bears. We don't know what, you know, what Justin Fields is because he has nothing around him. 
And if you're not supporting him and you make the team around him as bad as it is to tank, well, you're in a bad spot because you can't, you can't help him. You can't help. You can't make him better because your team is so bad. And I think if the Giants move on from Daniel Jones, you'll see, or from Saquon Barkley, you'll see what happens to Justin Fields. You'll see what happened to Sam Darnold. You'll see what happened to every bad quarterback that's taken with a top 10 pick. He'll, that quarterback will flop because there's nothing around him and nothing to help him. And the Giants need to keep Barkley. Hell, because this team isn't really going to be that good in the next two years, I would sign to a three-year extension at 15, you know, $18 million for three years. You know, 18 average annual value, if, he, if he'll take it. Because let him be the piece that your new quarterback relies on. Because he's shown that when he's healthy, he can be that piece that's relied on. I mean, that was going to be my counterpoint, is if you're not trading him, you have to extend him. He's not going to take a one-year bet-on-himself deal if he keeps having this year. He's going to be getting a lot of interest from other teams. And he seems to like the Giants. I'm sure if they make the most competitive offer, he's going to stay. But is it worth putting that much money for a team that's already in a bad cap situation into a running back where he's been hurt? You know, Are we going to believe what's happening this year, what could continue to happen? Or do we think you know, the legs aren't going to stay forever and he's a running back and, you know, we know what happens to running backs. I mean, the Cowboys gave Ezekiel Elliott a big extension. He hasn't been the same the past few years. You know, you the, the whole point of running backs seems to be run him for the rookie deal, get rid of him, and then bring in the next guy. And I know Saquon Barkley is not necessarily an easily replaceable guy because he's been very good when he plays, but are, are we sure it's worth investing 15, 16, 18 million dollars into a running back on a team that's paying, you know, Kenny Galladay? at this point still so that's my question for you is it worth it on a team you know a team that has cap room or a team that has championship aspirations it makes more sense to me than the giants who could use that money for better they'll have 55 million dollars in 2023 for cap space so who's going off the books then besides Um, barkley because barkley is going to be what 15 mil off the books or whatever just they're all their dead money is coming off the books pretty much for the most part. Okay. So you look at the dead money, the most the 2023 dead money they'll have against their cap is just over 100 grand. So it's all the guys that they cut this offseason was to make room for next year. And they'll have that money. And look, like Saquon Barkley might not be worth 18 million to a playoff team. But he's worth that money to a team that invested the second overall pick in him. You know, and I'm not saying give him the money, the length that McCaffrey's getting, but he's a guy that Without him, whoever's your quarterback is going to have a very hard time learning the NFL game. And you want him to have someone to lean on. And I think that aspect, that idea that your quarterback will have someone to rely on is worth the $18 million. Just like what Le- Lev Bell was supposed to be for Sam Darnold before Joe Douglas came in here and, and Adam Gase didn't play him. Well, if you pour that 15 to 18 mil, then you're down to, you know, what, 34, 34 something like that. let's say. I mean, is it worth it? You've got some good offensive linemen in this next free agent class. You've got Roquan Smith, a good defensive piece coming out of Chicago. Bradley Chubb, a good edge rusher out of the Broncos. I'm just looking at some of the top free agents for next year. Is it worth investing that much into the running back position when you could build your offensive line or get a pass rusher or help out elsewhere? You know, maybe get an actual receiver instead of a Kenny Galladay. Like, that's the thing for me. You know, even if they have the room, is it worth it for a running But who's back? the wide receiver that you're going to get that's going to be a better offensive weapon than Saquon Barkley? 
I mean, you could go out and, like you said, if if you trade him now, a second round receiver is not necessarily bad. No, value. don't give me that. I mean, give me some, give me the give real me deal, Saquon Barkley. Like All he's right. he's a I proven guy in the NFL, and I understand that it's like cool they have Saquon Barkley, but, but they're not going to be good you know, next year. What? They're going to be what they were this year and slightly better. So why Maybe. am I going to sit there and throw Will Levis or whatever quarterback you want or Daniel Jones again for next year for all I care out there with a bunch of nobodies because you're not getting a player like Saquon Barkley on the open market. You're just not going to get a guy like that, and it's overpaying for sure. But when you have the money, like you might as well do it. We'll see. Is, is that money it, worth know. it for a, a young quarterback that without him might not have anything? Like that that's where I'm coming from. Is sign the guy yeah. for a couple years so that until he gets hurt, then what? Then you're just you're having eighteen million dollars. Well, what was his injury though? It was a it was an ACL tear. Like, do you expect him to tear his ACL again? I mean Sterling Shepard did it like four times now. Giants turf. We've seen it. All right, We've so then you know, every single time someone tears an ACL, I'm cutting them from my team. Zach Wilson cut last year. No more. No more Zach Wilson. All right. Listen, this, we'll have this discussion a lot moving forward. I, I had to counter, though. I'm not just going to sit here and say throw $18 million at a running back and everything's going to work out. So I'll hand it over to you, though, Odd Man Rush. I know we ran a little bit a little bit lengthy there with the, with the Giants it's a, it's talk. Good, Wasn't expecting that. It's a good that. conversation, though. But, again, shout out the Giants. Actually won the game. I was going to ask you, before we go on to Odd Man Rush, the Giants did it 3-1. and one. They're sixth in the conference. Tied with the Packers, tied with the Cowboys, but they obviously lost that to head. Do you think they make the playoffs? Oh, man. Behind, I'll give you some teams behind gonna, them, just so you can think about it, too. Yeah. That's what the I'm Cardinals are 2-2. Yeah. The Falcons are 2-2. Two two, the Niners are 1-2. That's really it. All these other teams stink. Atlanta, Seattle, Chicago, Carolina. The Saints, they stink. The Lions. The Lions, not very good. The Commanders, not very good. I'll – oh, man, what a question. I think – well, they've got Green Bay, Baltimore. That's probably two losses. They might be sitting at three and three. I'm going to say they – I'm going to say they missed the playoffs. I'm going to say they missed the playoffs. I think they're going to lose too many of these games down the stretch. I think there's a couple teams that could play better. I think the Cardinals are a better team than the record shows. I think the 49ers are a better team than the record shows. I think even the Lions could be a better team than the record shows. It's tough, though. There's not a lot of great teams in there, but I just think having the Cowboys and Eagles in your division is going to be tough. I know you've already gotten one Cowboys game out of the way, but I don't know. I'm going to say they just miss. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think I'd say the Lions are, are in the same vein as the Giants. Their defense really? just – I'm going to go back to what you said last week. Their coaching stinks. Yeah, that's true. They've scored the most points in the NFL on average across these three game, uh, across these four games and are one in three because that defense is so bad. And yeah, that coaching staff, as you said, you know, last week is just not very good. All right, yeah, I'll give you that. But I, I'll give you that. I'm still 50-50 with the Giants making the playoffs. I think the Cardinals are kind of that team of concern. Maybe the Vikings fall out of favor. My, my other question, though, with the Giants is let's see what their defense does against the Packers and the Ravens, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, we knew that well, the, the Cowboys, that was impressive. They lost. They, they played well defensively. I mean, the one actual team they've played, they lost to. So yeah, I, they let's played just, great defensively. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Let's, let's wait till we anoint their defense. Yeah. But I, li- I like the great Wink Martindale. Yeah. The great Wink Martindale. Let's get to uh, some college football here in Odd Man Rush, Luke. A little. Do it. Uh, a couple headlines from the NCAA Top 25, the AP poll. Uh, 
University of Georgia, they dropped to second in the poll. They're still first in first place votes, but they're about two points off of Bam, who jumps number one. That comes off of a Saturday enlist uh, where Georgia almost lost to the University of Missouri. 26-22, they pulled out the win, but they trailed by 10. Not 20, like it says in the rundown, Luke, but 10 with 14 minutes left to go in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it's that's in Bennett, man. After week one against Oregon, I was I was thinking Heisman for him. Struggled a little bit. That was a game where though Georgia was always gonna win. I think when when Missouri went up ten, their money line was still like plus three hundred. Like the, the, their money line was still a crazy underdog, even as they were Georgia was down by ten. But look, some of those SEC teams will sneak up on you a little bit. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like who cares who's one two right now? It's just gonna matter, you know, when the football college football playoff rankings come out and all that kind of stuff. Look, did you have a Giants take that we texted about before the show that you didn't get to? No, that was a Mets take. Oh, what was the Mets take? Was that just well, I was a- just saying how I thought, thought they were, A, they blew the lead themselves, and B, that they cost themselves a chance at the World Series. Okay, gotcha. Just wanted to research. Is that good enough that. for you? Because sometimes when I say I have a take, you don't No, that's a good, good take. Enough. That's a good take. Okay. Uh, no, so- I had to text you who I thought the worst team in the NFL was. Oh, well, you right. asked we'll me. get to that later. I had that written down on Odd Man Rush. <laughs> All right, we, we got to get moving here. I, I got you. Don't worry. Uh, we already touched on Bama's number number one. Syracuse, baby. 5-0. and Party like it's 1987. You heard that about 17,000 times here. But ranked for the first time since early 2019, number 22, you're undefeated. Syracuse Orange. That's right. They've got a, tough, they've got a bye week and then a real tough stretch coming up. But I got to say, ever since Matt Walling's been on, on the coverage five and here o. locally, 5-0. Five and five and o. O. Those are those are facts. I'll take also my checks the, now, Dino Babers. That's right. Ten minute quarters in the second half is brutal. That's really tough. Um, I almost was late to work. That was a tough spot for me. <laughs> that was a tough spot for me. Let's be real. But yeah, NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame. We're gonna find out pretty soon whether or not this is a, a true five and zero, or you know maybe a product in the schedule. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin fired their head coach Paul Christ. He's replaced by his defensive coordinator Jim Leonard. After starting two and three this year, and after given being given a five year extension in January, he's owed as much as fourteen million dollars uh, due to the firing. I don't like it at all. I think Wisconsin's a team that that's them, right? Eight wins a year, nine wins a year, ten wins a year. That's that's how good they are. They'll go to the Big Ten championship every you know two out of five years. Usually, they'll lose to Ohio State every single time, but. They're not a program that's going to be ever like a top four team. Like they're just not going to be that. And it really reminds me of when Nebraska fired Bo Pelini. They're winning eight, nine games a year, but they think their ceiling is higher, which, you know, Nebraska has had a higher ceiling, but that was in the 90s. They're not recruiting five-star guys to Wisconsin, Nebraska. They're getting guys that fit their system, that can run the ball, that can play defense. I don't like the firing. I just don't think Wisconsin's ceiling is that much higher than they had. I mean, how are you – like – they're a program that went 67 and 26 with him. Like, how much better do you think they're going to be? You've won, you won 10 games in, the, in, your, in your first four of your first five seasons, right? Yeah, and then I don't get it. The, the only down year was 2020 when you're four and three in a COVID year, right? When you weren't, when you're only playing Big Ten teams, and what you probably lost to Ohio State, maybe Penn State, and Michigan. Like, you didn't lose to bad teams. You're, it's a very hard conference to be in. The fact that you're losing. The fact that you went nine and four last year is, is a testament to how good your coaching staff is. Yeah, I don't get. It. I understand you don't want to lose to Illinois or anything like that. Let's see. So they they did lose some. But I lost some weird games in COVID year. They actually beat Michigan, but they lost to Northwestern, 
Indiana and Iowa were were their losses. So that's kind of weird. You but can't either way, consider cool. the COVID year in your conversation of a coach when you went four and three. If you went zero oh, and seven, that's one thing. But I understand it's a bad year, but like, can the guy have one bad year? It's Wisconsin. Like, what are you expecting? But a bad year right now is two and three. They could still be a bowl team. Yeah, like, for let's sure. Read off the rest of their, uh, do you have the rest of their schedule open for the rest of this year or no? Uh, I don't. All right, I'll try to pull it up. Like, I can't imagine they're not going to make a bowl game this year. I mean, they've they've already gotten the Ohio State, you know, beat down that they do every year out of the way. So that helps. You know, they still have to play. Let's see. Here we go. No, Northwestern next week stinks. Michigan State stinks. Purdue, okay. They can win that game. Maryland, same thing. Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. They can win. They can win out, realistically. And that no puts one on you that in a bowl game. That schedule is overpowering. So Yeah, that puts you at – I mean, even if they lose a game, they can go 8-4. and four. Like, that's a solid year. That's a great year. Syracuse yeah, would take 8-4 and four right now. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and I know Wisconsin's a good football program. They've got a lot of NFL talent. But at the same time, like, you're not, you're not winning a national championship with Wisconsin. You're only winning national championships if you have, like, a top-five quarterback in college football. And yes. Wisconsin's probably never going to get that player because it's a run-first system. Yeah, they had one. It was Russell Wilson who transferred. Like right. they, they just, they're not attracting that kind of talent. Uh, getting to the NFL, Luke, Javante Williams is out for the season with a torn ACL, according to ESPN's Jeff Legwald. Uh, not great for a Broncos team that offensively has really seemed to struggle this season. Yeah, and they love to run the ball. Russ is going to have to throw now, right? Melvin Gordon's got fumble issues, had another fumble six. Uh, who was that guy they brought in? Mike Boone. Boone. Mike Boone, he had a big drop down the stretch. So, yeah, they're they're in a tough spot. They're going to need Russ to cook if they want to kind of pick things up. I think they're dead. I think they're the worst team in that division. Yeah, I, it's really hard to disagree with that right now. Yeah. I don't I don't love Vegas either. I think their coaching staff stinks. I'm not a big Josh McDaniels guy. But the hope is, you know, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams can kind of figure it out and, and go from there. Yeah, no, I, I think it's the right take. I mean, going into this year, I, I wasn't completely sold on the Broncos either. I, I mean, the two games they won, they probably shouldn't have even won. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And, yeah. Um, and the Raiders and Broncos both, though, definitely some some coaching questions. Yeah. Uh, wrapping up the NFL, Green Bay survives New England 27-24 in overtime. The Patriots lose their backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer, who had to start the game and play the great Zappa. Forgot his first name. Bailey Zappa. Bailey Zappa. Western Kentucky guy. That, the Packers aren't – they've got some struggles, too, like – They've got the Giants next weekend. That could actually be an interesting game. I mean, they were 10.5-point favorites. They almost lose the game outright to the Patriots on their third-string quarterback. So they've they've got some things to figure out there, too. And the line this week, Luke, for that game is minus 8 in favor of Green Bay. Ooh, it's a big spread. Interesting. It's a big line. A lot of big spreads. It's a big line. We'll keep that in mind for our picks this week. Yep. Uh, Vegas, we talked about them handling Denver 32-23. A chance for Denver to uh to block you of covering the game with that two and a half point spread, but alas, they fall short for me. And finally, what might have been the best pick oh, of the entire year, sexy. Kansas City puts up twenty eight in the first half on the vaunted Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. They end up winning that game forty one thirty one, covering by ten points against the spread. Patrick Mahomes might be the the MVP favorite right now. I know there's some other guys in there. I mean, my guy Josh Allen's probably gonna be in the conversation, but what he's done after losing Tyreek Hill hasn't missed a beat. And two minutes into the game, you knew it was over. Like I I, I should have texted you, like you already won this pick. It was it was gorgeous. It was dead sexy. 
And the Chiefs are, are still pretty damn good. I don't know. I don't know why people wrote them off immediately. I still had them winning the West. Uh, and they look pretty darn good. And honestly, good for Tampa. Like their defense will be fine at some point in the season to do what they want to do in that in that conference. For them to put up 31 points is it's a nice showing because it's a team that really struggled offensively through the first four three weeks of the season. Yeah, they have. I mean, we talked preseason. Maybe New Orleans. No one's competing with them in that division. Yeah. I mean, the Falcons are in second place. They've got them this week. They'll blow them out. They'll be back on track. Right. Oh, uh, let's get to the final question that I texted you about and never got to until now. After four weeks, the the extended preseason is over. Luke, who do you think is the worst team in the NFL? It's really tough because there's a lot of bad teams. Face value, I want to say the Texans because, you know, they haven't seen one a game and they're pretty bad. I think right now it might be the Commanders. Like, realistically, it might be the Commanders. They have the, the worst point differential in football right now at minus 34. Carson Wentz is terrible. I know they have more talent than a team like the Texans do, but, I mean, the one game they won was against Jacksonville in week one. That was kind of fluky. They lose to Detroit. They're blown out by Philly. They're blown out by Dallas. It, it honestly might be the commanders at this point, which is weird to say because they have a lot of talent on offense. But without Chase Young on defense, they're they're bad. It might be Carolina for me. That's that not a bad team take is, either. Baker Mayfield, their toast. So bad. I mean, you've got fans clamoring for Sam Darnold, who's still got that ankle injury. That That's a tough team to be a fan of. And, and that's my NFC team, too, because of Sam Darnold. Yeah, they're really bad. I mean, the Cardinals basically did nothing for the entire first half, and they still won by 10. The the Saints might be dead without an actual quarterback, James Winston. Granted, they played Andy Dalton, their backup. They haven't been great. And then I look at the Steelers, too. That might be – their offense might be one of not the worst unit in all football because that is a team that can't push the ball down the field. They at least have their defense to, to lean on a little bit. But, yeah, their offense is real bad. Same with New England, kind of in that same vein. Yeah. Well, Luke, that's all but time. they look good last week. That's all time we have for Odd Man Rush. I'll throw it back to you to uh, wrap up the show. That's a show. Be sure to catch us, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Clips throughout the week on Twitter. And, of course, the picks will be back. Both had a good week this week. Matt's still trying to catch me. So we'll have to get those in as the week progresses. So thanks for hanging out with us. And we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>